0: Welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nickel, And today on the show, we're reviewing the book, Jones on Property. Jones on Property. Now, this is a book written by... Bob Jones, Sir Bob Jones, back in the 1970s. The edition that we're actually reviewing today is from the 1980s for all you nerds who want the specific book that we are reviewing today. And it is a very entertaining read, about 250 odd pages of Bob Jones telling stories about the property market. Now, of course, if you don't know who Bob Jones is, he is New Zealand's most prolific commercial property
1: developer and a real Character. Well, he, that picture on the back is just amazing. of him. He <laughs> looks. Uh, he, he looks like he should be in some sort of band. Yeah, and he's got his got his old
0: smoking pipe there. He's a real character. He's probably in his eighties or early nineties. He's just crossed the 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 billion dollar mark in terms of his net wealth uh, and the NBR Rich List this year uh, or last year, I should say. And he is uh, New Zealand's most prolific property investor. Owns the SAP Tower in Auckland, a whole heap of properties in Wellington, and also over in Scotland. He's he owns by the way, it. Oh <laughs> Google's not my friend today um, So what we want to do is is the seven key takeaways f- from reading this book along with who it is right for and and what you're not going to learn in it So the good, the, the, the what you are going to learn and the what then what you're not going to learn within it. So my first key takeaway is in chapter three and it's called Bob Jones's uh, three golden Rules of property which are location, location, location. he says I could have made it 20 golden rules but that'd all be location as well. <laughs> Which is really interesting because it's exactly the same thing that when we went and talked to Michael Hill about commercial property and he said it's all about positioning, which is exactly the same thing. It's all about location. And several times throughout the, the book, Sir Bob talks about the fact that uh, you need to invest in prime areas of real estate. He says, if you invest in a tower in Queen Street, you're going to be okay. If you do it on city fringe because it's too expensive to do to, to purchase on Queen Street, you're not going to have a good time. You might initially have a good. Time, but as soon as the rental market starts to uh, to loosen, as one as soon as uh, there is less demand and more supply, then tenants are going to move back to the really prime locations. And it's something that's really important to remember, uh, especially if we refer to our last episode of people purchasing hotel rooms in Hamner Springs. It's not a prime location, for instance. You've got to focus on location. Andrew, what's your uh, next takeaway from the book?
1: So so uh, one of the interesting points, despite Ed just calling him a developer, is that he stresses that he is an investor, not a developer. And he actually doesn't want to get involved in development because it's too bloody hard. And um, interestingly enough, so this was in 1980 that this book was written, um, and and the um, inflation rate around then was about 17%. So, you know, if he was to develop a tower, uh, you know, you, you could take three years to develop that tower, and it's 17% per year. That's pretty significant in terms of what you're going to have to pay to actually get that done. And, you know, there's always delays with significant developments. Um, you're better off just buying. And whilst he might have done some renovations in, in and small, small stuff, he, he, He is an investor, he's in it for the long term, he's not in it for developing.
0: And that's something that I think a lot of property investors in the residential space sometimes forget that there is a major difference between developing species to sell and actually investing for long-term capital gain. Now, the next thing that just coming off that, which I found really interesting in this book, is his confidence in capital gains. So again, writing in 1980, he was running through the numbers for a commercial investment. And he talked about, cool, we're buying this tower, and I believe in four years, it's going to double in value. It's going to be worth this, and I'm going to make this much money. Now, of course, remember it was a bit easy to predict when the inflation rate's seventeen percent. Of course, you're going to get a lot of capital gain with the inflation rates that high. But he had real co- he had the real courage of his convictions about what he thinks is going to happen, and consequently, certainly in the residential space, we did see properties double between 1980 and 1984. Mm. So he was definitely right in that and and that. Uh, aspect, Andrew. What's your next expectation? Actually, just before
1: we get on to the next one, uh, just one comment I want to make is: it's really easy to look back and say, "Oh yeah, property's uh, doubled in value in next period of time," but it's never going to happen again. A, a you know, five hundred thousand dollars house never going to be worth a million. I hear this all the time when people are looking forward. It's hard to it's hard to imagine. And actually, one of my clients uh, he bought a house in quite an affluent area of Christchurch, and he paid. F- uh, for it. $56,000, which was a lot of money when he bought it. It was around 1980. And um, I remember him saying that he told his friends that one day it would be worth $100,000. They all said they paid too much. It'll all be worth $100,000. And they laughed at him. It's worth $3 million today. So it's just really interesting that uh, when, when we look back and we see these things happen and, and you know, they say the definition of insanity is uh, doing the same thing over and over again, getting a different result. Well, you know, seeing the same thing happen over and over again and expecting a different result, that's insanity.
0: Well, similarly, if we just go on a wee, wee diversion, a wee thought experiment, <laughs> If
1: you take yourself,
0: if you take yourself out of where you currently live and you think about a cheaper area... Say, a Tokoroa or a small town like Tekawiddy, say the average house price there might be three hundred thousand dollars. Is it conceivable that a house price in a small town could double from three hundred to six hundred k? Absolutely conceivable yeah. because we've seen it happen in Christchurch. So if you pl- apply that same thinking there to to uh, uh, where you currently live, it kind of holds as well. When we talk to some people in Singapore who have seen astronomical house price inflation, they say absolutely your house prices could double again because yeah. we've seen it happen over there. So you can lose perspective being in it. But Andrew, sorry, I've, I've, I've talked right. over your, your I next think there's takeaway. A good,
1: there's a good webinar on this available on the internet, I think. Uh, now, the next one is uh, when he's talking about dealing with accountants and lawyers, um, if he's dealing with particularly you know, really um, aggressive lawyers or aggressive accountants, he will say, but don't screw it up um, because he might want this problem property deal done. But sometimes these experts, lawyers and accountants can just get in the way of a deal. And actually, I've just got off the phone to a client of mine that rang me to say, thank you, we've gone unconditional. He's been conditional for coming up six weeks now. Uh, and and actually, this came down to just a breakdown between his lawyers and the vendor's lawyers. And they just had, basically, both lawyers didn't like each other anymore, and they weren't responding to each other. And they almost lost the deal, uh, because lawyers were about to screw it up. So don't let your professionals get in the way of a deal.
0: Exactly. Now, the next one that's really interesting is he talks about the sort of things to look out for or be really wary of in commercial Real estate, and so this would be something along the lines of if uh, a a landlord had offered uh, had was getting a really really good rental yield from their property. So say they're getting fifty k from their tenant every year, but really the market rate's only forty k for that property. And he walks through examples where. Perhaps the landlord had loaned thirty yes. k to the to the tenant, and they were paying it back as part yes, of their rent. I've seen that before as well. And so, dodgy dealings where, similarly to, hy- to the hydraulicking episode we just did, where the rent was artificially high because there were side agreements happening in the background, and then because of that, when a property is a commercial property is being sold, then it appears that uh, that the price would be much higher because it's valued based on the rent yes. rather than the, the actual what it's worth.
1: And actually, I've seen this in residential as well. So sometimes there will be artificially high rental guarantees with properties sold. Now it's not real; uh, you're actually paying for that. So you might pay a higher purchase price, and let's say, uh, let's say it was sold for ten thousand more. That gives you an extra um, hundred dollars a week for two years that you can hype up the rent. And so all of a sudden people appear to be getting a better deal than they are. So that is something that can be quite common in residential as well. Um, Number six, um, uh, really interesting. So this book again, written 40 years ago, has got a lot of the same things going on. So you've got the government making changes to regulation, making it harder for landlords. You've got land uh, people complaining about the high prices of rent. You've got all of the same things happening there that were ha- that are happening today. And in 40 years, it will still be happening. There will always be these kind of tones. So if you if you read the paper and think God, it's hard to buy, be a property investor today. It is. It's always going to be hard. So get over it.
0: And the last key takeaway that I found was around how money can be made. So I just want to talk about the opposite side of the last takeaway I gave, which is he, he gives a couple of examples in case studies of areas where landlords weren't properly evaluating the rent that was coming off a property. And the example he gave, I think, was of a, of a large media publisher, or uh, no, sorry, it was actually a government agency that had a 15 or 20-year lease on a commercial property. But for the first two years, they had got an astronomically good deal. So they were paying very, very low rent for the first two years. Now that makes it appear as if it's got a very poor yield and so the property would be undervalued. You wouldn't put a high uh, price or value on the property because the rent is so low. But in that long lease contract, there was a ratchet clause, and the rent was going to increase the next year. And everybody knew about it, the tenant knew about it, but the real estate agent hadn't been selling it properly. And so Bob Jones walks in, reads the contract, says, gosh, this is a great deal, because all everybody else who's looking at this property is looking at, the, today's, rent. at today's rent, but forgetting that that's going to increase by uh, five or ten times. In two years' time. So he got a great deal and made many millions of dollars worth of that simply because of, I suppose, the insanity of the market sometimes and asymmetric information where yes. some, one person knows something more than the next. And there's some very good examples of how a lot of money can be made by investing smartly, specifically in commercial properties. You and wouldn't actually, get this in residential.
1: No, and actually uh, the, the interesting part there is the information was readily available for everyone. Someone just hadn't read it, and he did. And that's a really important important thing to actually read what you're doing. Now, the lastly,
0: just to wrap it up, we want to talk about what you're going to learn from this book and what you're not going to learn, who it is for, who it's not for. So I'll talk about who it is for it's, if you want an entertaining read, it's certainly very entertaining. He's got a very specific style. Uh, he loves hyperbole. He loves to hype things up, say outrageous things, which he only kind of half means or <laughs> maybe he fully means, but he, he does it in a joky way. It's very entertaining. And you'll get some really interesting stories and principles, but you've got to put it into context. This book was written in the 1980s, and there are some, certainly the numbers and some of the case studies and the things about specific areas won't necessarily apply today so you do have to put it in today's context uh, and I suppose that's that comes to what you were going to talk about Andrew
1: yeah which is who it's not right for this isn't a playbook this isn't a, a lesson of how to be Bob Jones uh, if you want to if you want to learn to be a property investor follow the property Academy podcast and webinar series uh, this, this is more just some stories and, and some of his experiences in the back in the back uh, just reading now it says property millionaire enthusiastic about capitalism boxing fishing loathsome socialists. (laughs) (laughs)
0: And he does talk about trout fishing, and he talks about lots of uh, just absolutely wonderful things. And I think that if you are the sort of person who loves a hard case, uh, a hard case New Zealander, the sort of person who's going to go and start his own political party, which he did back in the 80s, uh, you're going to really enjoy this book.
1: And, And Bob, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on the show next
0: fantastic. Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the show. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And if you want to meet Andrew and I, why not come along to our Property Academy live series? We're coming to Wellington. We're coming to Christchurch. We're coming to Auckland. And we are going to record uh, a live podcast in front of you guys, as well as we've got some, some quite fun things planned as well. Now, this is a completely free event. We're covering the booze. We're covering the food. Just bring yourself and a friend. I'm going to drop a link to that in the show notes. So tap or swipe over that up. It'll take you right there. Or just go to opuspartners.co.nz slash pod event. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Epic Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you
1: get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.